Welcome to the Mental Health Training Room Podcast. I am Naomi Yim. And I'm Haley Herdman. And we are both former Division I basketball players. The purpose of this podcast is to create a community and a safe space for all athletes, parents, coaches, or anyone with an athlete in their circle. We want our listeners to find comfort and relatability in the mental health struggles they may face as an athlete. While our podcast does not serve as professional help, we hope you can all learn something from each episode and guest featured. If you are in a crisis, please reach out to the National Suicide Hotline at 988. Please remember you are not alone in this journey. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy our podcast. This is the Mental Health Training Room. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Mental Health Training Room. Today, we have a very special guest, Monica Chernoff. She is an associate marriage and family therapist. Um, She worked with the USC Neighborhood Academic Initiative, Boys and Girls Club Metro LA, and with students in the Philippines, which have led her to be passionate about empowering children, young adults, and their families. She provides a holistic and humanistic approach to therapy. Prior to this career, Monica played water polo at Occidental College. With her background as a student athlete, she also has a huge drive when it comes to advocating for mental health of student athletes. So thank you so much for coming on today, Monica. We can't wait to speak to you about this subject. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. What was your journey as a student athlete and kind of elaborate on, you know, your mental health aspect of your student athlete journey? Yeah, so I'll just start off like when I just first started to get into sports. Um, when I was a kid, I was not the most athletic kid. I was last picked on the soccer team. I was the slowest <laughs> in PE class. And when I started to do swim classes to train for the a summer camp, uh, junior lifeguards, I it was like the first time I wasn't terrible at something. So. I did water polo and it just felt really good. Um, it felt good to be at a sport where you feel belonged. And it kind of just went off from there. Um, I played water polo in high school, in college. And even in college, I was able to travel with the Philippine team too. So I've had a lot of great experiences with water polo. Um, mental health wise, When I was really young, I've always had anxiety and I actually was diagnosed with ADHD when I was a young kid and sports actually really helped me with ADHD because in sports, you're forced to focus on the present and you're focused on a high intensive environment. You have to act in the moment you have, you're distracted in water polo, like you're out out of the game so sports really helped me with my ADHD actually more than medication and that really aligns with the research that sport doing sports is actually more beneficial than medicine in some cases for depression anxiety and ADHD so ADHD was a struggle I had um, but a huge struggle mostly was anxiety and sleep in college Um, I had major anxiety, um, always focused on the future and sleep. Sleep was a huge issue. I, there'd be weeks where I could not get any sleep because I was so stressed. Um, and if you don't get sleep, then you literally don't have time to catch up the next day because you have to wake up at 6am, 
you have school and you have practices. So I was nervous about nervous about not getting sleep. And so that was something I really struggled with too, as an athlete. And I did not have time to take a nap or to take a three hour nap. So that was a huge stressor that I had. Um, so yeah, it was ADHD, anxiety, and sleep were the main struggles I had as a female athlete growing up. That sleep part is so huge. I, I remember my freshman year, the summer going to freshman year, we had early morning workouts and I literally would wake up in the middle of the night, like stressing that I missed my alarm. I would have to set like five alarms to make sure that I got up in enough time to get ready and get to practice early. But I literally would stress before sleep, before falling asleep, because I was scared I wouldn't wake up in time for the early morning practices. So I can really relate to that stress around the sleep aspect of things. So you mentioned that sports helped with your ADHD. What are some other things that you learned through sports um, that you're kind of taking with you in your life now and in your career now? Yeah, so... I work in the school setting um, a lot with a lot of elementary school students, and I work in the private practice setting, and I mainly work with a lot of young kids and a lot of middle schoolers and parents, and all the stuff that I learned as an athlete has really translate into how I show up as a therapist and how I guide my clients because being an athlete really teaches you life lessons out of the classroom and just kind of reflecting back on my experience as an athlete and what I advocate to my students and clients is a lot of young girls um, that I've seen, especially in fourth and fifth grade developmentally, that's the time where it's about to start middle school, but their emotions Mm -hmm. are, um, are kind of not in line. They're still learning about their emotions. So that's when the drama gets really big. One thing I really teach them is you can't please everyone. And that's a struggle that I also had as an athlete. You want to be a good player. You want to be a team captain, but you also want people on your team to like you. So that is something going through that as an athlete, learning how to not be a people pleaser, how to navigate social situations. That's an extra experience that female athletes get to have Yes, that in the workplace, um, when, when something happens in the workplace or the future, you're like, okay, I've been through similar social situations before. I know that if I'm going to be team captain, th- there's going to be a girl who's it's going to be salty towards me. And then then I don't know what to tell you. Like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So yeah, that's one thing. Um, And then I think another thing is I think um, when kids are in school, they are really fixated on academics as their identity um, performance as their identity. And they, what they don't realize is that, optimism, social connection, and the way you perceive stress is actually probably key indicators of success more than Mm. grades and performance. And all of those things are things you can do in sports. So I try to use sports as a way to practice uh, your social skills and your self-confidence. 
So yeah, those are two things that I implement with my kids. I feel like when I was growing up, I did have ADHD. And the biggest thing for me was like towards, I, I think I would notice it more towards middle school, high school. My attention span was like zero to none. And for me, sports helped that a lot because I was forced to realize like, I can't be thinking about 50 things while I'm playing sports because if not, you get lost in what you're doing. And for you to be able to be teaching kids like how to realize that and like focusing on incorporating sports into their daily life is like so important. And it's nothing that I've really thought of like, okay, like if I were to have kids one day or my brothers, like if they can't focus, incorporating sports and realizing like your attention span in sports helps that is pretty cool and I've never thought of it that way until now (laughs) that's awesome I I really appreciate that because it's really nerve-wracking the system of uh the trajectory of when a child has a diagnosis of mental health they usually get through tests and medication Mm -hmm. and medication does work in some ways but what happens if you take it for four months then you increase it you increase the dose or you go off it with sports it's you're the one who's in charge you're the one who's uh working on your brain not the medication so Mm -hmm. I really use a holistic approach with uh kids and mental health I love that and I love what you're doing with your young female athletes as well about the people pleasing that is so interesting and beneficial for them to learn about at that age I just think back to my personal experience um I was a walk-on at LMU and I feel like in that type of position I always felt the need to please my coaches to please my teammates you know to please everyone around me because some I was I committed just like anyone else committed before, but I just didn't have the scholarship aspect. But there is still that stigma with the walk on, like, oh, you know, you're not as good. Like, you got to keep working hard to be on the same level as all the other girls. So that aspect really forced me to be a people pleaser in like every single area on the team, wanting everyone to like me, and that was really hard. Um, But then even being in therapy, like realizing that that was a characteristic of mine growing up. So it's really, really awesome to hear that that's kind of what you're preaching to your young clients, because I think especially for females, that's going to be so important for them to be aware of and to create boundaries at a younger age with people pleasing. That's going to be so awesome to see how they develop with that messaging around Right. I love that. And I sometimes I see like a sports team as like a a social microcosm I don't know if they, it's yeah. like a representation of how they are in the real world you put them on a team you see how they interact and what you learn in that team is going to translate how you act in the workroom with families with it's it's kind of like a social skills group um, definitely and I actually you know did more research on this and it was this crazy statistic that when it comes with women in CEOs positions, I believe like mm. majority of them were female athletes because they're used to, um, they're used and they're trained to 
not people please. Um, they have to realize if they want to be a good leader and a good captain or a good athlete, you're going to make people upset because you want to make the yeah. team. And that's the same thing in work. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. So when you're working with these young clients, these young athletes, do you see the pressure that their parents are putting on them? Like, does that come up in your work, in your sessions at all? Yes, I do. Um, there's, there's a lot of trends and a lot of fears that parents are either being too hard on kids, like they're too tough on them, or they're too soft. Like we're in this age where we're validating feelings, we're taking mental health breaks, and it's really confusing for parents to figure out which line to go with. Um, and in my experience, it's really situational. Um, but what I've seen is kids, they, they will learn in the real world themselves. Um, if parents step back and have their kids figure it out, instead of doing being um, like, for example, if the issue is I don't want my kid to go to practice or do homework, it would be usually kid versus parent instead of maybe parent versus parent and child versus situation and kind of mm -hmm. viewing it as this, the kids are going through a really tough time. Let me support them and see them how, how it goes. So it's really tough because parents are really, they really, they're afraid to be too soft or too hard. And usually it ends up two really stark um, spectrums where a kid is super coddled um, super coddled or a kid who is overly anxious so it has to be a balance definitely and I think the too hard and too soft dilemmas like that is so hard to navigate because I mean I would imagine as a parent like or I guess seeing from the outside like you always I'm a coach and like you always see you want your player to choose what's best for them but you see a lot of the times they're just listening to what their parents are telling them or kind of like forcing them to do, which is really tough. Um, but I think that in this new age that you talked about, like where we are validating feelings, we are listening to people's mental health struggles. I think that there is a way that we can still breed these high level athletes in these intense um, competitions and games, all of that in a more a softer approach I think the word soft has a lot of negative stigma towards it but if we're teaching kids at a young age like if they're not feeling well if they are too tired to go to practice like it's okay to take a day off like I don't think that messaging was around at all when we were younger like you had a hard day at school you had too much homework like whatever that comes second to your athletic career. But I think if that's a new wave that we're starting to preach and we're starting to advocate for, I think that the true stars and the true athletes that wanna perform at a higher level, they will know how to navigate that and they will still come out being these high competing athletes. I, I agree. Validating and supporting your kid through a struggle is not being soft. 
I think that's yes like that is one thing that parents kind of take the extreme if I'm validating their feelings that means they're going to be coddled no they're going to feel safe they're going to feel secure and you would be very pleasantly surprised if you just support them instead of fix they're actually gonna pull through maybe Mm -hmm. um so I totally agree with that yeah I love the aspect of you saying support and not fix. Like that's so important in just me navigating, helping my little brother through, he's in eighth grade. So like I'm helping him a lot more with the mental aspect of sports. And that's a good one to not fix him or fix whatever is going on, but just to support him through whatever journey he's going through or whatever mental struggle he may be going through, whether that's with school, life, um, sports. So I love that point. Yeah, that is so important. And even the support, like that seems very empowering for the young Mm -hmm. athlete because it's not like, not an adult figure, not a sister, not a therapist, coach, like coming in to solve and fix all the problems for them. Like we're there to support and help them solve it on their own. And then they can realize like, oh, I have this individual power to, you know, solve this homework problem or like solve Mm -hmm. the conflict I'm having with a teammate or a coach or something like that. I think that's very empowering for young athletes to be able to experience as well. In college, you played at Occidental College. Um, You played water polo there, which is a D3, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So what was that like? Did you ever have Division I goals? Um, What was that like going to a D3? Was there any stigma from your teammates, coaches, anything about that? Yeah. So in high school, I knew I wanted to play water polo. Um, I didn't really care where I wanted to play a water in a water polo team in California. And I looked at different schools and it, I just cared more about the fit. Um, but definitely going through looking at schools, there's definitely a hierarchy, division one, division two, division three. And a lot of people get fixated and put worth on D1 athletes, which makes sense. Like they get scholarships, they get the funding. Um, And when I decided to go D3, it kind of a little bit questioned my worth as an athlete. I'm like, am I really an athlete? Uh, I'm not really getting an athletic scholarship. Um, You know, we kind of downgrade ourselves a lot for being a D3 athlete. And what's crazy is that water polo is a very small community. So even though if we're D3, we still play a lot of D1 schools and we still Mm. practice a lot, like all throughout the year, have weight training. And so with mental health, when I was struggling with that athlete mental health, we sometimes are like, well, are we really struggling with athlete mental health? Because are we really like true college athletes? D1 athletes probably struggle with so much more they probably like do so many more practices, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, there's no point of comparing. Every athlete has its own journey. Um, every athlete has its own values. And and sports is sports. Um, but a lot of people get fixated on this hierarchy of D1, D2, yeah. D3. 
and sometimes like we'll get a little there's a lot of shame saying like oh I came from a lower you know school um but and kind of downgrade the hard work you put in in college and yeah that's that's a little bit about it and I think we just should all have respect you know for all all athletes d1 d2 d3 because being a college athlete in general is tough I think that's so important to put out there like mental health does not discriminate whether you're division one division two not even an athlete that's really really interesting that you you know like you were questioning that worth of being an athlete because a lot of our friends are d2 d3 athletes and we see the work that they put in and that is just as real as any other form of athlete out there right it's not an oppression war like we went through yeah. this Texas went through that and yeah. each athlete is going to experience something different you know Michael yes. Phelps he's at the highest competitor level and he experienced mental health but that doesn't degrade all of the mental health struggles we have been through as well it's just it may have yeah. looked differently than his because he's he was at a higher level yeah. so yeah and I think that's gonna be interesting to see now too with like all the NIL stuff going on like you're seeing these high level high competing athletes in division one you know signing all these Nike deals you know Jordan deals all of that and like that can just I feel like be very invalidating to athletes who are not on that pedestal and make them question their worth even more um so that's like a thought I've been having about those NIL deals as well. Okay, well, thank you so much, Monica, for all of this amazing things you've just told us today. And thank you for all your work that you're putting in with these young athletes. Um, it's going to create a new wave of such strong and emotionally intelligent athletes. And that's what we need in this world. So thank you so much. Of course. Thank you both. Thank you. I, again, I want to admire both of you and the platform you do and the guests you bring on to shed a new light on athlete mental health. It's, it's really inspiring seeing it from two uh, female athletes as well. If you like this episode, be sure to download, rate it, leave a comment and share with your friends, families, teammates, coaches, or anybody else that can relate. Stay tuned for our next episode, but until then, go follow us on Instagram and TikTok at MHTRpod. And don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening to the Mental Health Training Room.